Who is excited for church? Wow, if we haven't met, my name is Ali, and uh, we are in a collection of talks. Oh, before we begin, before we add some housekeeping, on your screen, there should be a s- slides. Today after church, if you, are, if you have ever led a group at our church, or you are interested in leading a group, right after church, uh, we'll, have, we'll have lunch together. We're going to go over how to lead a small group, which means groups are starting the first week of February. You don't want to miss it. Come on, make some noise for groups. And in five days, a historic, cataclysmic event. It's going to be a catalyst for our church for the next year. Word and Spirit, our very first conference. We got Russell Johnson. We got Nathan Finocchio. We got Emmy Rose from Bethel. It's going to be fire. Prepare your hearts because God's going to do something amazing. And then on the 29th, right after church, which is next Sunday after church, growth track is for those who want to take their next step in the faith in this church. You want to come from just attending to making this your home church. That's where you want to go. Uh, We're on a collection of talks called Techie's Guide to Joy. And the reason why we're talking about this is because Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1 says he was anointed above his companions with the oil of gladness. The Bible, that's the Bible's way of saying he's the happiest person who ever lived. How did Jesus have that? What did he do? Did he have crystals? Because celebrities have these crystals. Was it essential oils? Was it yoga? Was it... <laughs> only nervous laughter right now. Those who are pure, they only think pure thoughts. They're like, why is he breathing? How did he do it? We live in the most depressed, the angriest, the loneliest generation in America. How do we get what Jesus had? Listen, we got to do what Jesus did. And week one of this collection talks, we talked about fasting. Last week, we talked about prayer. And today, I want to talk about this. I'm going to slow down. Normally, if you know this is our home church, I'm loud. I'm in your face. I'm yelling. I'm going to teach today. I need to, slow, I need to go slow so that this will impact your life. If you get today's sermon, I promise you your life will change. The title of today's talk is Be Filled. Someone say, Be Filled. And the question is, with what? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. I'm going to preach that, that verse right there a hundred times. That's the, 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 the ethos, that's the centrality of today's talk is be filled with the Holy Spirit. And before I begin, I just need to let you know there are three experiences in the Christian life that are transformational, that are necessary for you to live out everything that God has for you. Number one is salvation. Someone say salvation. Salvation is when you put your faith in Jesus. And salvation is, is unique because in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only, only begotten son, that whoever believes, someone say believe, believe, shall not perish but have eternal life. And belief sometimes we think is mental cognition or mental agreement. Listen, the demons know who Jesus is, but they don't believe. I can believe this chair will hold my weight, but I don't really believe biblically until I put my weight on it. When Jesus says believe, he's, he's asking you to trust him, to put your faith in him. It's not just mental, it's a lifestyle. So that, that's step one. Step two is baptism. Baptism is, is an outward sign of an inward decision. In the same way I wear this wedding ring, this ring, this piece of metal, doesn't make me married to my wife. I've made that commitment on the inside. This is just an outward sign of that commitment. Baptism is the same way. Number three, this is going to be challenging for some of you because this is something that every, God wants everyone to experience, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is so transformational. I have to ask this question. Is there a time in your life that you can point to and go, the Lord filled me with the Spirit in a unique way in that time? 
Uh, to prepare for this sermon, I probably read 10 books on the Holy Spirit. I listened to dozens and dozens of sermons on the Holy Spirit. And I, I personally loved reading the testimonies of great men of the faith experiencing the Holy Spirit in a new way. One of these guys is a, is a man by the name of Blaise Pascal. And Blaise Pascal, if you, if you don't know, is a philosopher, maybe some of you math majors. He's also a mathematician. This is a super, super intellectual person. Not your normal Holy Spirit person who's in church barefoot with a flag doing interpretive dance, right? Like, this dude is grounded. And this man, this philosopher, this mathematician, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed his life. And he wrote his words like this. In the year of grace, 1654, fire, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the God of the philosopher and of the learned, He's basically saying God's not a person you study. He's a person you experience. Certitude, feeling, joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God. Forgetfulness of the world and of everything else except God. He's only found by ways taught in the gospel. Joy, joy, joy. Tears of joy. My question for you this morning is have you had that experience have you had the moment in your life where you're like, that is when God filled me with his spirit. It is so unique, so special, I will never forget it. But I gotta be honest, some of you, it makes you nervous because you come from a Catholic background or maybe you come from a Baptist background and every time you talk about the Holy Spirit, you think of that wild guy who's like dancing and painting with his finger on the corner, right? And I think one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap is bad packaging. Bad packaging. You ever, you gotta go, ever go to a Hispanic grocery store? Some of their candy is literally wrapped in saran wrap. And I'm like, I'm never touching this. <laughs> and then you find that candy at a friend's house. You're like, are you crazy? You're going to get herpes. What is this? And then you try it. You're like, oh, my God. If you just put this in good packaging, everyone in the world would want this. That's what happens when you don't have right packaging. You reject the product. Because even though it's awesome and good, because it looks crazy, you don't want it. And there are too many people in this room that you reject the Holy Spirit because of bad packaging in a few people. Let me emphasize this a little closer. Let me show you some marketing from, from this is real. This says fine art. But if you're my six-year-old, it's fine fart. I'm grateful. Please don't show this to my daughter because she's like, I want a color. Because now if she sees you, Dad, can I do fine fart on the dinner room table? No, you cannot do that, right? That's from bad packaging. Let me show you another one. This one is crazy. This is head and shoulders. Which means, this implies, because this man has no head on his hair, his shoulders, wow. He must have a lot of hair because this is head and shoulders. That's bad packaging. I don't have back hair that I need shampoo to clean it. That's what this is implying. This next one is a little weird. Tastes like grandma. I don't, I don't even know what that means. I'm not a... Hannibal Lecter, you know, from Silence of the Lambs. This third one, I, I, fourth one I mean, is, is a little different. I'm not going to even say it. You should read it. If you, if you can't read it, ask the person next to you. They'll tell you. What's crazy about this one is not the label. Is that half the rice is eaten. What is up with that? That's what I mean by bad packaging. We will reject the product. We will reject the service, that thing that... That God wants to give us because of the bad label. And often we think of when we think of the Holy Spirit or someone being filled with the Holy Spirit, we think of that wild, crazy person who's kind of like a hippie, always at church barefoot, you know, like weird. 
Let me just say it this way. The Holy Spirit's not weird. You're weird, okay? That person was weird before he became a Christian. Don't, that's just the truth. And let me prove it to you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Someone say sound mind. Which means when you have the spirit of God in you, you don't become crazier, you become more normal. You don't become less stable, you become more stable. Not that you don't, don't have emotions, but because you have a sound mind, your emotions aren't in control, your spirit is. And this is, this is why I rejected the Holy Spirit for so long in my walk with God. When I was in college, uh, I, I was exposed to a lot of different, what I would call denominations, I'll just use that word, D different like tribes. And in the Christian faith, there are like churches that are like all about the word of God. And they teach verse by verse. I love those churches. Then there are churches that are like, you know, like they're about the Holy Spirit. And you know when you're in a Holy Spirit church. Because the first time I went, I had never been. And there was a dude that went up and prayed. And after they prayed for him, they did this to him. And I remember leaning over to my friend. Is he sleeping? No, he's filled with the Spirit. Is he cold? He's like, no, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you. I was like, bro, I don't want the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if that's being filled with the Spirit, I'm out. I'm what, more than out. I didn't want anything to do with that. What do you mean? He's like a five-year-old sleeping in church. What? And it wasn't just one person. It was a bunch of people. And what was crazy is I called those churches blanket churches. Because in the first row, they had like 20 blankets, expecting the people to take naps on the stage. And for years, I mocked the very scriptures that God was trying to speak to me through. And then I went to this conference, this screen. This is in Bethel, Reading. I was on the balcony on the far right, and I don't even remember the name of the preacher, but he's preaching some sermon, and he had everyone stand up in faith and just scream out to God. And I remember... I was screaming, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you can scream louder than that. Do it again in faith. I said, okay, Lord. And I screamed out, and something, something that day hit me. It was fire, bro. Not in the way that the, 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 our culture says it, but I, was, I didn't need a blanket. I needed tears. I needed tissues because I was different. And when I stood up that day, I was, two things happened to me. Number one, I had freedom over a sin I never had freedom over. And number two, I had power in my ministry. I've been a youth pastor for five years. Very few people got saved. After that moment, a ton of people, I never had that kind of anointing and power. That's what happens when you are filled with the Spirit. You look more like Jesus, and there's power for your calling. This says like this. These are the three things. Number one, it says the Holy Spirit, he wants to baptize you in Christ. That's step one. Let me read this verse to you to prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. What is the body? The body of Christ. The Holy Spirit, he wants to baptize you. Baptize means to submerge. That's why it's, they're called submarines. It's the same root word. It's to be underneath the water. The Holy Spirit wants to submerge you into the body of Christ. Number two, a disciple baptizes us in water. This is what's called the Great Commission. As my pastor, I want to make the commission great again. Come on. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Let me ask you this question. In the last year, we've had close to 70 people say yes to Jesus for the very first time in this church. But we've had around a dozen baptisms. That means there's like four or five dozen people that have not yet taken that step. Let me just boldly challenge some of you. You're in disobedience to Jesus, not me. And they pull out this card. It's time to put your name and say, on February 26th, I'm ready to get baptized. Come on. Let me also challenge another group of people. If I could be so bold. Some of you come from a Catholic background. And you got baptized as a baby. Let me theologically correct that. You took a shower at church, okay? Your parents chose faith for you that you didn't have the faith to even decide on. You get baptized when you choose, not when your parents choose, not when your grandma chooses. When you want Jesus, that's when you get baptized. And number three, the third experience, when Jesus fills us with the Holy Spirit. Watch what he says in Matthew. This is John the Baptist speaking. I will baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And people push back and say, Pastor Ali, no, 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 no. That's for the 12 apostles. That's for the upper room, the 120 disciples. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to do that a lot this today because I need to correct some bad teaching. Let me do it one more time. <laughs> this, this can't be for the disciples because this is Matthew chapter 3. Jesus doesn't have any disciples till Matthew chapter 4. You know what this verse is saying? That that one day the Messiah would come. He would live a sinless and perfect life. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He wouldn't just die for our sin. Listen, one of his ministries is that he would baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's his job. That's what he's called to do. That's what he wants to do. Let me show you these three again. It's salvation, baptism, and being filled with the Spirit. And people push back and say, Pastor, no, 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 no. Number one and number three are the same. Like when I become a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I already have him. (laughs) Let me explain it this way. When I was in the tech industry, I was a software engineer for 14 years. There were often times where we had to solve a problem that was so intense that you needed so much focus, you would turn up a red flag on your computer and no one could interrupt you. Because you needed to focus. And there were times I was solving a problem. If I got lost and had to come back, it took an hour to get back to where I was mentally. So I turned this flag up, and that let my coworkers know I'm solving something. Don't interrupt me. And there was one time my coworker came into my cubicle, and he just sat there. Because it was so important for literally half an hour. He just sat there waiting for me to be ready. And then when I turned the flag down, I said, bro, what's up? Listen, the moment you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit's sitting in your heart. But you have to receive him to be filled with the Spirit. You have him, but do you have all of him? That's what I'm trying to teach. And let me show you what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If we do the reverse logic, that means if you belong to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. That, that theology that if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not, no, 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 let's correct it. The, the, the other thing that's wrong is if I, if I have salvation and I got water baptized, I have everything that Jesus wants to give me. No. There is more. And what I want to show you is I want to show you these verses. I want to spend the rest of my time proving to you this is what God wants to give everyone. And I'm going to build on that argument. This is what the 12 apostles experienced. And then I'm going to checkmate you theologically. And Jesus had this. 
And by that point, if you're not believing what I believe, we're going to give you a trophy, the most prideful person in the room, that's okay. We love you. We love you. Let me show you Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. This is, this, is, this is why this promise being filled with the Spirit is for everyone. Who is Paul speaking to? To God's holy people. This letter is written to Christians who are saved and have the Holy Spirit. And yet, look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. If you already had the Spirit, why would he ask you to be filled with it? He, you, he's sitting there, but has he filled you? And a side note, this, this verse, I remember when I first became a Christian, was one of the most challenging verses I, I, in my own, own life. Because I, I, I used to drink all the time. I used to go to clubs every Friday night with my friends. And I remember God convicting me. And I had this conviction to walk out with God in a new way. That he said, Al, you don't need to get drunk on wine anymore. But you need to, which leads to be filled with the Spirit. And I remember I went out with my friends. And I had this conviction. I'm like, guys, I want to follow Jesus. They're like, bro, we had a six, we had a, a big cooler beer, like, ah, like 20 of them have your name on it. And I was like, I'm like, I can't anymore. And they're like, what do you mean? Like nine of them were so upset with me. And I remember sitting down, like, they're on, we're on a party bus, by the way. And there's like, they're like all on one side. I'm on this side. I'm like, guys, Jesus says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And like, you could drop a pin, right? in the car, and one of my friends, love him to death, he goes, wine? But does Jesus say anything about tequila? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're a good theologian. <laughs> and, and the reason why I felt so challenged to say that some of you have a conviction to walk with God, your friends are pulling you back. And I know that's, that's free, that's not even part of the sermon. Uh, that, that is why Jesus wants everyone to be filled with the Spirit, even if you're already a Christian. Number two, this is the apostles. John chapter 20. Let me give you the, 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 the context of this verse. Jesus was arrested on Thursday night, falsely went through a trial, and beaten, scourged, the skin ripped off his back, crucified at 9 a.m., dead by 12. But he didn't just stay dead. He resurrected on Sunday. And amazing, the first preachers of the gospel were women. If you're a woman in the church, God wants to fill you with his spirit, not just the men, but the women too. And only some of the disciples, only some of the apostles saw Jesus. And in John chapter 20, we see more. It was on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together. With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Do you know why he's saying peace? Because if someone walked through your front door, bro, you would freak out. He's like, this is his way of saying, calm down. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the word for spirit or breath is ruach. In the New Testament, is pneuma. Jesus is literally breathing on them the Holy Spirit. Why at this point in John chapter 20? Because sin has been paid for. It does not matter how often you go to church. It doesn't matter how, how like, righteous you try to live or how many homeless people you feed. The question is, are you forgiven? Heaven is not filled with good people, but forgiven people. And these, these apostles, they are forgiven in this moment because Jesus died and resurrected. And now he's giving them the Holy Spirit. And you think, okay, we have everything we need. End of story. Jesus will never talk about the Holy Spirit again. Nope. Watch what Jesus himself says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. On one occasion, while he's eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, 
but wait for the gift. What gift? I thought you already gave them the Holy Spirit. My father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He did not say in a few days you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Because he's already given it to them. He's teaching you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I showed you how that promise is for everyone. I showed you how the 12 apostles, they all had salvation, baptism, filled with the Spirit. Now I want to show you Jesus. Did Jesus go through all three? Did he, did he talk about this? And I, I need to show you in the, in the Gospels, in the, in the Bible, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're very similar because all three cover the last year of Jesus' life. The Gospel of John covers the last two years of Jesus' life. The first three, the reason why they're so similar, that's why they're called the Synoptic Gospels. They only cover a certain time period. John's Gospel, though, is 90% unique and covers things that the other three Gospels don't. That's why it's so crazy when there's something that's in all four Gospels because it's super rare for that to happen. But there are five things that show up in all four Gospels, and that is very significant. Number one is the virgin birth. Number two is the death and burial of Jesus. Number three is the resurrection. The reason we talk about Jesus is because the tomb is empty and there's news to tell. Can someone give Jesus a shout? Come on. The fourth thing that shows up in all four Gospels is the feeding of 5,000. Let me just pause because we're on day 14 of Daniel fast. Let me just speak and silence all the keto people, all the anti-carbs people. Silencio Bruno, Okay. Jesus did not say, I am the broccoli of life, okay? He said, I'm the bread of life. He didn't say, pray for your daily kale, okay? He, the reason, because Jesus is about carbs, right? If you're not, you're not with Jesus. He's not standing with him. Amen, yes. I, this is maybe just the 14 days of no bread talking, but bread is from Jesus. And the fifth thing that shows up in all four Gospels is Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Let me show you these three verses. Mark chapter 1, verse 8, I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, 16, Jesus, John answered them all, I will baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And John chapter 1, again, so unique to see this in all four Gospels. The man on whom you spirit see the Spirit come down and watch this and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? All three experiences. Let me show you the other one more time. Salvation, baptism, being filled with the Spirit. And the question is, did Jesus himself experience all three? Did Jesus experience salvation? Trick question. Trick question. Because the reason why we need to experience salvation is because when Adam and Eve sinned, they passed down their sin nature. So, like, listen, if you don't believe evil's real or the world is broken, it, it, all you're telling me is that you don't have kids. Because no one taught my kids to bite. No one taught them to steal. No one taught them to punch me and talk back. They just, they're born that way, okay? And why? Because the Bible says I was sinful in my mother's womb. And the Bible says that sin nature is passed down through the Father. This is why Jesus was born of a virgin. Ladies, you can elbow your husband and say, my kids are crazy because of you, okay? You'd be theologically accurate if you went that way. The reason why Jesus already had salvation and didn't do achieve it, because you and I need to be born again. Because we need to be rebirthed. Jesus didn't need to be born again because he was born right the first time. Number two, 
Baptism. Did Jesus experience baptism? John the Baptist, his cousin, baptized him in the Jordan River, not for sin, but to anoint him and show everyone that he was the Messiah. And number three, did Jesus, was he filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we read it in John chapter one, the whom you see the Spirit descend and remain on. And my question is for you is this, why would Jesus, who had the Spirit, why would in Acts chapter one, would he tell all of his disciples, all of his apostles, all of his Followers, do not start your ministry until you are filled with power with the Holy Spirit because Jesus didn't start his ministry until he had power. Think how humble Jesus is for a moment. This is God in the flesh. This is the one who created the universe is in his hand and the infinite became finite. Let me explain it this way. Imagine Jesus was an eagle and he has wings to fly but he chooses not to use them and he keeps his wings in and he hops and waltz around with penguins who can't swim. Why? Because he wants to reach penguins. Jesus didn't just die as our substitute on the cross. Listen, he lived as our example. And even though he has the power of God, the anointing of God, even though he is fully God, Ephesians 2 says he put aside his deity. How did people who were lame walk? How did the blind see? How did the, the deaf hear? Did Jesus do it or was it the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're the reason why you're not living the victorious life is not fear of the Holy Spirit, but pride. Because you're not humble like Jesus. Even though you have the power to try to do it in willpower, will you humble yourself and say, if Jesus needed the power to live this way, then I need the power to live this way. And the question is, I wrote down like this. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit when he was on earth, how much more do you think you need the Holy Spirit when you're on earth? How are you going to love your wife when it's hard to love her? How are you going to not lose it with your kids? How are you going to be respectful to your boss who underpays you, takes advantage of you? How are you going to be pure in a culture that doesn't want to be pure? How are you going to have integrity in the workforce when everyone else is lying and stealing and cheating? If you look in the mirror and say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to find an influencer who has edited videos and just a quote, oh my gosh, that's what's going to motivate me. You're missing it. Jesus didn't rip open his shirt with a big J like Superman and lean on his strength as God. He leaned on the Holy Spirit. And you will live a broken, victorious, less life unless you lean on the Holy Spirit the way that Jesus. My question for you is, do you have the same relationship with Jesus with the Holy Spirit? It does not end at your salvation. It does not end at your baptism. Jesus wants you to be filled. And to prove it even more, I want to go through one more time this, this order. It was save, salvation, baptism, and being filled with the Spirit. If that's true of Jesus and the, the 12 apostles, then it should be true of everyone in the New Testament church. And what I want to do for a moment is I want to walk through the book of Acts and show you again and again and again this pattern. Watch with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Then Peter said to them, repent. That's step one. And let every one of you be baptized. That's water baptism. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. One, two, and three. Watch this. This is Acts chapter 8. This is going to be a little bit more convicting for some of you who don't believe this. But when they believed, salvation, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Let me just pause right there. Philip, this evangelist, this amazing, he goes to this these Gentiles, and he begins to preach, and this whole family gets saved. And they not only do they repent, but they get water baptized. And many of you are like, that's all I need. 
If that was true, this next verse breaks your theology. Watch this. Acts 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that the Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John. Why would you send Peter and John to them? What more do they need? Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. It's almost as if the Bible doesn't have the theology we have today. Maybe the Bible's not broken. Maybe your theology is. This next one is the most convicting. Acts 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Somebody shout disciples. Disciples is another word for Christians. So Paul is hanging out with people who already believe. And watch. Watch what the greatest apostle who ever lived wrote. Watch the question he asked. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul, time out, bro. Come on. They already have the Holy Spirit. Listen, let me just pause. This man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds more than you, okay? This man in the book of 1 Corinthians says, I went up to the third heaven. I'm like, bro, I just want to go to the first one, okay? Like, forget two and three. I didn't know there was levels to this. The greatest apostle, not named Jesus, he doesn't ask if you've been saved and water baptized. He says, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And watch what these men say. No, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. I went to that Baptist church. I didn't even hear about this. Forgive me, Lord, if I'm, I'm being disrespectful. <laughs> Acts 19, verse 3. So Paul asked, what baptism then did you receive? John's baptism. And Paul says in Acts, verse 4, Paul said John's baptism was baptism of repentance. All you did was get saved. He told the people to believe in the coming one after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Which means, just pause, don't go to the next verse. They believed Jesus, they got saved, and now for the very first time, Paul baptizes them in water. And many of you think, that's all I need. Look what the greatest apostle in the world does. Verse 6, when Paul placed hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Throughout the book of Acts, you got this command in Ephesians chapter 5, you got Romans chapter 8. It's again and again and again. It's everywhere in the Bible. Be filled. Someone shout, be filled. God wants you to be filled. Not just for you to place your faith in him and then get baptized. The reason why you can't follow Jesus, the reason why you don't live the victorious life is you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And the question I want to ask is why do I need to be filled with the Spirit? Why is this so important? If I get the band to come up, I want to show you something. I almost cut this part of the sermon out, but I knew we needed it. Imagine for a moment, you and I are these gloves, and God saves us and redeems us. You and I are these gloves, and I, I want this glove. You have a calling. I have something for you to do, gloves. I want you, gloves, to place your faith in Jesus, and I want you to pick up this Bible. Go. There's a problem. It's not doing it. I think the gloves need some doctrine. Let's give, them, let's, give, let's give them some teaching. Let's give them some doctrine. Let's give them some theology. Maybe that will help. Go, study, study, study. Go, pick up the Bible. Okay, it's not working. I, th I think I know what we need. I think the, the, the glove needs discipleship. 
Mentorship is come learn from me. Discipleship is come follow me. Live the way that I live. Glove, this is how I do life. Go. Okay, I think I know what the problem is. The glove needs fellowship. It needs other gloves in its life. It doesn't have enough, it's trying to do life alone. It's not going to work. It needs other gloves in its life. Okay, these gloves can pick up the Bible. Go. You do it too. Okay, I think I know what the problem is. It needs to rededicate itself to Jesus. Let's, let's pray the sinner's prayer one more, because we don't know the first time. Let's pray one more time. Go. And the reason why the glove can't, listen, it needs a living power to fill it so that I could do what I was called to do through the glove. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God because you don't have the strength, the power, the willpower to do what God has called you to do. When God met me and filled me with the Spirit, it was a moment I'll never forget. I had freedom over sin and I had power for my ministry. You need that too. If Jesus didn't start his ministry without the Holy Spirit, how can you, how can you love your wife? How can you raise kids? How can you live in a culture that's so antagonistic? How, if you think it's on your strength, you're gonna fail. If Jesus told his church, dude, I didn't start ministry until I was filled, I don't want you to start ministry until you're filled. You need to be filled with the Spirit. I wanna end with this question. Salvation, baptism, filled with the Spirit. If I get everyone to stand for a moment. Everyone in this room has a next step. For some of you, it's maybe it's salvation. Maybe you didn't know that God loves you so much that he was willing to leave heaven, the comfort of heaven, and humble himself and live a life on earth. Sinless. He was beaten. He suffered on a cross for our sin. And you and I can now be forgiven. And we have, can be children of God, not because of our performance, but because of our position. We are in Christ. And for some of you today, it's, I need you to fill out this card and say, today is the day I want to follow Jesus. And listen. You don't need to have baptism or even be filled with the Spirit to go to heaven. How would I know this? Because the man on the cross next to Jesus was being killed. said, remember me in paradise. He never was baptized. He was never filled with the Spirit. I, I promise you he'd want to do those things, but he never had an opportunity. Simply belief in Jesus is enough. For some of you, your next step is baptism. Dozens and dozens of you in this church have raised your hand and said, I want to follow Jesus. But you haven't taken that step the step of faith, the step of obedience to say, I want to I want to obey Jesus. It's that next box. I'm ready to be baptized on February 26th. We're going to have a baptism party. Ain't no party like a Jesus party. It's going to be awesome. And for others of you, you didn't even know there's a third experience that God has for everyone. The 12 apostles, even Jesus himself experienced it as an act of faith. If that's what you want, if I get every eye closed and every head bowed, that's you this morning. 
just lift your hands and your palms up to the sky as an act of, I want to receive everything that Jesus has for me. And you're saying, Holy Spirit, I didn't know that you have something else more for me. And I know in this moment, personally, it's when the enemy lies the most. There's, you're not going to receive anything. God's not going to give it to you. You don't earn this. You didn't deserve this. And I want to read you one verse to give you faith. It's in Luke chapter 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, this is Jesus speaking, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God gives the Spirit to those who ask in faith with every eye closed and every head bowed. God, your children are asking for more. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you inspired the Scriptures to teach us the way of righteousness, the way of life. That you didn't just want us to place our faith in Jesus. That you didn't just want us to get water baptized publicly declaring our allegiance to you. But there's more. You want to fill me with your spirit, Lord. And it's not going to be a weird Holy Spirit, I hope. But would you do that in this moment? And by faith, just ask your Father, fill me in your heart. Just say, fill me, Lord. Fill me. Holy Spirit, come. Fill your children that are crying out to you. It's an act of faith to pray for something that God promises in the scriptures. Faith is the assurance of things not seen, but hope for it. Hope for it. Hope for it. You're not going to fall over. You're not going to feel anything but the evidence of you being filled. You're gonna have freedom over sin. You're gonna have power for your calling. God, I pray for every person in this room that raised their hand in an act of faith, that they want more of you in their life. Would you fill them, Lord? Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Holy Spirit. There's others of you in this room that you've been waiting and delaying the day of your baptism. Today, Jesus spoke to you. It's time to get baptized. Not when you feel ready, it's when you want to be obedient. And it's time to fill out that connect card and take that step of faith because you will never feel ready. And as a third person in the room, you didn't know God sent his son to die for you. Christianity is not really a religion, it's more of a relationship. It is a religion, but more than anything, it's a relationship with the living God. He's not a God just to be studied. He's a God to be experienced. And God, 2,000 years ago, who existed eternally, entered human history as a man, sinless and perfect. And he died on a cross as a substitute for our sin. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't do enough good works. Someone has to pay for your sin, and Jesus doesn't want you to die, so he dies in your place. As an act of faith, when you receive Jesus, you're saying, I repent, Lord. I, I need salvation. I can't earn it. I need someone to pay for my sin. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to count to three. If that's you this morning and you want to start a relationship with the living God, we want to pray for you. We want to celebrate you on the count of three. One, two, 
three, would you be willing to shoot your hand up if that's you this morning? Amen, 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 amen. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Actually, pray it out loud. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me, that you left heaven for me, that you lived a sinless and perfect life, and then you died on a cross. You lived the life I should have lived, and then you died the death I should have died. Thank you for paying my penalty. I receive your free gift of salvation. I repent. I turn from my sins, and I choose to follow you. As much as I know now, I want to make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Can we give it up for the hands that went up? Come on.